we drilled and we hit something which was far better than just a gold discovery. We hit this massive BMS hole and very high-grade zinc, copper, silver, gold, and we're just drilling and drilling and getting this VMS deposited. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hello and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. My name is Rick Nusky. I'm your host. Thank you so very much for supporting the show. If, you, if this is your first time here, welcome. It's great to have you here. For everybody else who is, has been here before, thank you again for all of your support. Now on today's show, I have the pleasure of welcoming CEO and Chairman of Star Peak Mining, Mr. Jonathan Moore. And we're going to be talking about gold and other commodities, VMS deposits, and the very, very bright future that awaits Star Peak Mining. So with all that, that being said, welcome to the show, Jonathan. Rick, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure for me to be here. Yes, absolutely. Great to have you here. As, as we were talking about just briefly earlier, Jonathan, I've been reading a lot about Star Peak Mining and, uh, you know, it's a very, very exciting time. I'd love to take a deeper dive into that. But prior to that, always love to spend a bit of time learning about the individual that I'm speaking with. So I guess a good place to, to, to uh, start that would be to learn where home is for you. Uh, my home uh, has been for the last eight years down in the United States. I'm actually in a place called Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, mm-hmm. more specifically in Paradise Valley, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, moved down here, gosh, about eight years ago with my family. Um, we um, uh, originally from Canada. That's where my, my I grew up and uh, started my career and, and kind of made my made my stake in life was was uh, was in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, we moved down specifically eight years ago for... Uh, I have two young boys, one of them, uh, uh, which is, um, he's uh, special needs and he's blind and deaf and he's actually attending a very special school down here. Right. Uh, it's a really the only one in North America that fits his needs. And as a parent, we decided, you know, the most important thing is to give your kids the best chance in life possible to succeed. And that was one of them. So of course we, uh, we jumped ship and moved down here and it was the best thing that we've ever done. Yeah, that's so. fantastic. Excellent. Thank you very much for shining a light on the inside of your life no there. Um, now in terms of, um, you know, your location, I know that, uh, Arizona is, uh, hot to say the least. Uh, what, what, what drew you there? Was it just the special needs care or is there other things? It was, about the place? it was, yeah, so anytime you're uprooting and you're leaving, um, you know, moving countries with a family, it's mm. it's quite difficult to do it. Um, however, the um, my wife was American, uh, so it gave us the ability to to move. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not easy just becoming, you know, moving from Canada and just saying, oh, I want to be an American. Yeah. Uh, so um, yes, it was for the care of uh, of my youngest boy Henry and. Yeah. You know, the, the flip side of it is, yes, it is a little bit warm here in the summertime, but, you know, for the other eight months, it's uh, it's gorgeous. Uh, and then you have, the, you know, the lifestyle of, you know, lots of golf, lots of tennis. And uh, I really can't complain much. I think it's it, it was a good trade off. So I was going to ask you about that. Uh, you know, we all enjoy downtime, but being in your position to be mighty busy. I, I wonder what are your hobbies and, uh, you know, sports? You've mentioned golf. And what was that? What was the other thing you mentioned? Lots of golf, lots of tennis, lots of just uh, being dad uh, yeah. mainly. Um, but uh, you know, with COVID that we've all been going through, uh, it really has simplified my lifestyle somewhat because you, you know, my days of traveling, which I'm usually gone, you know, two weeks out of every month, yeah. you know, up to Canada, over to Europe, whatever it might be, uh, you know, to Eastern United States, 
you know, it's just, it's not there. It's, it's, it's where we're, um, you know, we stay home and I actually enjoy it. Everything is done virtually and we can do these creative things like these podcasts or we can get online and do, you know, the zoom calls, whatever it might be. Uh, it really hasn't slowed down any of our productivity. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's allowed me to, you know, spend more time with the family and just, you know, just work smarter. It's, um, uh, I've, uh, although it has been frustrating, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying it's been fun, but the COVID experience has not been too, not too poor. Well, yeah. I tell you, the probably the most important question out of this entire call is, are you any good at golf? Well, I actually golfed uh, college. I played uh, U.S. college golf growing up. So I have played a lot of golf in my lifetime. And uh, I took a little absence when I became a stockbroker, you know, in my earlier years because I was focused on my career. But I actually, um, I, I, I'm probably right around a scratch golfer. So, oh, very um, good. So I, uh, I'm not playing you know, I'm finding, <laughs> Well, being, being a dad, it gives you, it's a little bit difficult because you can't, you know, you can't keep the game up. You can't practice yes. as much. So, yeah. so it's, um, I'm getting a little sloppy, but I think my older boy is getting into golf. So hopefully I'll be able to spend a lot more time on the golf course. Yeah, I know we are going to be talking a lot about uh, Star Peak Mining in a moment, but I just, I think there's a lot of value to be shared with the world in terms of somebody who's in your position, um, you know, what you're going through in terms of being a father, uh, mindset and all these types of things. I just wonder uh, with that sort of thing in mind, um, <clears throat> when you're on the golf course, for example, you switch off. Is that the best zone for you to switch off? Do you, you find that you're, you're not even thinking and then is that where you relax it it depends i find that if i'm golfing not during stock market hours Mm. and uh aftermarket hours is generally when i want to play weekends that's when i tune out um the problem arises when you know you have these damn cell phones now and that's the problem because you you if you're if you're doing market hours or you whatever it might be you are um you're just you're always just it's it's a distraction Mm. so you know, for me, I, I like to golf. I like to turn everything off. But if if I have to keep my you know uh, communication outlets yep. open for for um, you know market hours, then it's it's um, it's it's a distraction. So it's a hard thing to say. Just but anything, if I'm out on the golf course with a bunch of mates, I mean, you can't beat it. So yeah, I mean, absolutely. No, I agree with you. Bigger, that's um, the bigger deal. So in terms of uh, you know running the stocks and and going on, the, I, I envisage. Um, myself in a in a lounge room with a couple of big screen TVs and the stock markets and or uh, if I'm out and about with the app on my mobile phone is that how you you run your your operations tell us a little bit about what a day looks like for you I guess well we um you know I I'm one thing I don't like is when you have these these public companies and and you know you raise money and specifically for something like us where it's important that your dollar lasts as, as long as you know as, as you want it to go as far as possible mm. i don't see any need for any massive operation of uh, big offices big staff big big huge expense so we keep things very skinny we keep things based and you know i work out of my out of my home office mm-hmm. i don't need the space i don't need them you know the the secretaries and the and the big uh you know sign on the front door very I, don't, lean. I don't need that so Really, I mean, we're um, we're on the West Coast as well. We go by, uh, you know, uh, West Coast time here, and it's early. I mean, we're up early. Uh, you know, our days start, you know, five o'clock uh, in the mornings, and you know, the flip side is your the markets end at one o'clock in the afternoon. So we we we're we're very you know we're active bright and early, and then it gives it gives us the afternoons for you know most of the meetings and calls or whatever it might be. Um, but it's. Uh, 
it's important for us that we just you listen. We simplify things. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier, there's no travel or not a lot of travel. This Zoom thing has been amazing. So of course, yeah. all of our business is basically done from our home offices. We have a great network, a great team of people, and we're all doing the same thing. And I want to add, there's one thing that's good about when you know someone's working at a home and, and Zoom or whatever it might be, if you want to reach someone, you know you can get a hold of them. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's, 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 you kind of laugh a little bit because if you know, if you can't get a hold of them, that's probably because they don't want to talk to you. So <laughs> it's very it's, obvious. Uh, it, it, there's no excuses when we're, uh, when we're keeping things this simple. There's zero excuses. No, I love it. Well, you know, because there's technology and there's this technology and there's a place for it. Yeah. But there's also that need to make choices as to, you know, when I'm switching off. So I think that's very important. Now, when you were growing up, I'd love to go back, back in the day when you were growing up from maybe even originally where you were living. I always like to ask, can you remember one thing about your childhood that really was a positive memory for you? Um, you know what? It was probably for me, um, you know, I was a golfer, a junior golfer at a very young age. And uh, I had a mother in the, in the brokerage business. So I spent a lot of time summers around, um, you know, stockbrokers and mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the guys in the finance game and, you know, I was always fascinated with, you know, the kind of flashy life some of them lived. It was, you know, it seemed to me like it was, it was, it was kind of had it, looked at it in awe. And um, I was golfing one summer and I think that was a time when I, I, I got paired up with a bunch of people from my mother's office. And, mm-hmm. and I just, I just, I fell in love with what they did, the way they conducted themselves, um, the way they treated me. And. And I think at that point, right then and there, I think it was actually a time when I knew that I wanted to get into the financial markets. Um, yeah, fantastic. I ended up, I think, the following summer getting a job in, in their mailroom, shredding paper all summer or whatever it might be, or getting, <laughs> or getting them lunches. Or, or, and it was, it was really, a, um, yeah, I think that was probably a neat time for me. And, and I, it was through my passion of golf that I actually was able to you know, start my career. And, you know, I mean, you all want to be a professional golfer and everything. And but, you know, how many people get to do that? At least I found my career through, you know, through my through my golf. Yeah, so. fantastic. I'm, I'm loving the call. Thank you very much. I, I always think about this. and You've talked about your parents and, uh, you know, you talked about, the you know, I guess the five people you hang around, you start to become like and all these types of things. But I wonder um, what was your first, um, I guess, exposure to someone that really stuck with you? Was there a particular person uh, as a mentor that guided you? Do you recall that experience? Yeah, I think um Probably again on the golf course. Uh-huh. Um, my, I mean, yes, I did play a lot of golf in my younger years, not so much now, but um, yeah, uh, I did a lot of caddying as well. I mean, I, uh, I, I was, you know, I had to pay my way. And, and, and um, when I started caddying, I was, uh, was at this private club and all the, there's a, there's a fellow in the business by the name of Peter Brown. Peter Brown was the big founder of a company called Canaccord. At the time it was called Canarum, but everyone yep. today might know it as Canaccord Capital. And he was the pioneer of the of the kind of the brokerage scene in in Vancouver, call it Canada. But he was the kind of the young speculator, big hotshot. And actually, well, I ended up caddying for him at a young age. So I think just spending time around him and just um, being recognized, you know, when I was young, and you know, I'd I'd pull into the you know, ride my bike into the, into the, into the golf area. And then, you know, Mr. <laughs> Brown was pulling in in his Rolls Royce and you know, you'd say, you know, Oh, good morning, Jonathan, you know, just things like that. Yeah. And, uh, and I think just my experience of hanging around these gentlemen and just, albeit as a caddy, I mean, I wasn't yeah, yeah. business, but just, 
doesn't matter. I, I, I could see how they all conducted themselves. And that mm. was, that was, I think, a big thing for me. These types of insights are very useful for those, you know, startup entrepreneurs, those who have not walked the path yet. They're looking for ways in to, you know, make these relationships happen. So this is valuable content. Thank you very much. Now, since that time, you have come a long way to to say the least now. But before um, you had this uh, wonderful success, I was wondering, what was your first ever job? What was your first thing you ever did? Um, Was it stocks or... First ever job. Yeah, um, I mean, my well, was going, going way back here. Yeah, I'm, way, way back. I had a job and I organized. Now, don't laugh at me here. <laughs> I, I, um, I was a manager. I, I ran a UPIC strawberry business in a farming area in, out in the outskirts of uh, Vancouver, Canada, a place called Richmond. And I used to be able to run the business and tell people where to go pick their strawberries. I think I was 12 years old at the time. And um, I think that was my first official job. You know, growing up, I, I was a caddy. I mean, I caddied for my father, caddied for any events that were at the club. So mix and match, I think it was probably, a, you know, a, the official job was the uh, UPIC strawberry business. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, did you get sick of eating strawberries? Um, never, never. <laughs> I can only eat so much. I can only eat so much. Now, now, since that time, you obviously did all the stocks and you've had a lot of success there. But um, given your current position with Star Peak Mining, I'd love to um, shift gears and start talking about that if we could. Sure. Um, could you give us a bit of a background spread uh, about what this business is all about for our for our viewers? Sure. So Star Peak uh, Mining, we're not, you know, we're not reinventing the wheel. Um mm-hmm. What we did is um, originally, I mean, this you know, we're looking at an area here in Canada, in Quebec, it's on the Abitibi Greenstone Belt, which is home to major discoveries historically, uh, a lot of elephants in terms of size, and yep. really, um, it's it's you can find some really really big deposits in this in this area. Uh, every major mining company is also uh, you know in this district, so seemed to be a good place to to, to form something, and we were involved with a company that neighbors us and it was a company that had big success and continues to build up a huge asset. Um, mm-hmm. Stock's done very well as well. We were early investors and and I got involved early and as an investor. I wasn't part of the team, but a company called Amex Exploration. Yes. And they found a massive gold discovery, uh, which uh, catapulted them to, you know, greatness, I think in 2020, I believe. They were uh, Toronto Stock Exchange Stock of the Year. I think it was up about seven thousand percent or whatever it might have wow. been. So, when this happened, I, I, you know, my motto and my theory is is that the best place to find another discovery is next to or near one that's already been made. Of course. Okay. So you, you know, these there's a saying that discoveries and mines aren't orphans. There's always brothers nearby. They never stand alone. There's always something that. You know, geology just doesn't pop one of them up. In, in, it just in doesn't stop, does it? No, no, it's, it's generally going to be, you're going to find multiple. So we quickly act and, and you know, it was, it was um, we had a relationship through Amex, obviously, but we acquired and uh, immediately starting a, a, a staking and, and a land acquisition frenzy, all on the eastern side of, of their big discovery of their property, uh, which was called the Perone property, mm-hmm. uh, P-E-R-R-O-N, Peron, or Peron property. And um, didn't stop there. We then went further east adjoining, and we acquired a past-producing mine called the Norma Tell mine, which uh, historically in Quebec produced 
a staggering 10.1 million tons of high-grade zinc, copper, uh, silver, and gold. It was a it was a major VMS um, deposit which produced, oh God, 40, 50 years throughout the 1900s, and mm-hmm. um, stock production in the early 1980s when the base metal prices dropped and fell you know fell out of bed. So we we. We, we were strategic, but we aggressively acquired all of this land and, and you know, the next thing to do was, was, to, to, was to drill it. And we, um, you know, a very logical case for us would have been, well, you look where Amex is drilling and then you see the boundary line. Uh, I might add that Amex is drilling within 600 meters of this boundary. Yep, very so close. Really, it's not a map that dictates where the where the uh, zone stop. It's mm. obviously it's underground, so really, it's just a. So we, I mean, the logical place would have been just to drill right on the other side of the boundary on our property and just continue on their trend. We didn't. I mean, we we looked at all the data, we compiled it, and um, we uh, looked at the the past producing mine as kind of a a, a modeling uh, technique because look, we have a massive structure that produced 10.1 million tons. We see all of the zones. We could input all of the past producing uh, areas and zones that we've gathered for all the data from the government and, yep. and put it into one big model. And then we started drilling about three, 400 meters away from that structure instead because we had more known data at the time. And one of the things that I like doing is it's, it's prioritizing your targets. You have to give the investor the best probable chance or best probable case of actually finding a, a success in your early roles because you want to get that success early that's that's how you get you know your 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 company rolling you get your share price higher mm-hmm. and then as you attract more capital you're not diluting it you know you're you're able to raise money at higher prices so we uh we drilled and um and we hit something which was far better than just a gold um discovery we hit this massive vms uh, hole and and we were looking at almost uh well we look we think we've got something as we drill it that we think it's actually going to be bigger but um it looks identical to what we see from this past producing normal cell mine that i mentioned wow um, and so we're very high grade zinc copper silver gold and um and we're just drilling and drilling and getting this VMS keep, keep drilling now I just have a question on VMS yeah. if you might um, if could you clarify for those who may not know as much about what VMS actually means I do but maybe others won't sure so um, <laughs> volcanogenic massive sulfide or vol- volcanogenic massive sulfide um, that's the term it's it's as the term says right in the word it's formed from the flows of volcanoes so yep back through uh, formation of the crust and it comes through on the, in the volcanic flows and these deposits of minerals or metals are made uh, through the through the volcano flows. Now, um, they're very rich in base metals, um, mm-hmm. a lot of zinc, cop- uh, zinc copper, lead, um, and it's also some, some precious metals, gold and silver. Um, historically, very long production life uh, is attached or associated with BMS deposits because they're the deposits and the rich zones are formed in very tightly um, located clusters, so they're very yep. easy to get at, and you can really extend them for for, for quite some time down, quite, or quite some depth all the way down. Uh, for instance, that Norma mine I mentioned, the past producer, they produced down to 2.2 kilometers under the under the surface, so that's deep. That's um, a long way. That's a long way. Um, the economics on these BMS deposits are also uh, so good because the cash the cash profile. You're not just getting credit for you know a gold 
discovery just has gold or silver just has silver. You have all the metals that you're actually um, getting credit for. So zinc, copper, gold, silver. And that just makes the total economics at the end of the day that much more profitable for the for the for the company. Um, Diversification of your product line essentially without even uh, planning for it. Absolutely. And then the to show the rarity of it, I mean, there haven't really been any uh, large VMS deposits in Canada for the over the last decade. now, there's been, I think, historically 350 known VMS deposits historically in Canada, uh, 800 worldwide. And just in Canada alone, those 350 deposits, not all of which are producing, but the VMS mines in general today account for 29% of all copper production, mm-hmm. 49% of zinc production, and 40% of all silver production total in all of the output of, of Canadian wow. mining. So they play a major, major part in total output or you know, total total things produced. Imagine having that portfolio underneath your belt, just hidden I, away there. <laughs> uh, given that, I mean, is Star Peak Mining primarily is a gold producer, correct? No, I mean, we're not a producer. So we're, we're it's, 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 uh, we are still in the stages of proving up the total size of what we have. Right. And so um, the story, it, it's, you know, we were coined as kind of a, you know, and I want to make some clarification here because this is the way the market works when you're investing in, in Canadian stocks in general yes. or mining mining stocks. So the price of gold dictates everything. Mm-hmm. You know, gold's up 40 bucks that day. Every mining stock's going to be rolling, rocking and rolling. If the price of gold is down 30 or 40 bucks, everything's going to be down. Um, although I might be very... Um, you know, I have a lot of zinc and copper and silver. Mm-hmm. We're still we're still dictated by the gold price. Yeah. And you know, I'd like to, in some way, maybe get away from that correlation, but it's just too impossible with just the mining game in general. And you know, my 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 zinc numbers are are staggering. I mean, uh, on our first kind of discovery hole, I did about twelve meters of twenty three point eight two percent zinc. Um, you know, I'm up to my last drill hole, I have six meters of well over 3% copper. I mean, these are huge world-class numbers. And and can I call myself a zinc player? No. Can I call myself a... So really, it's it's mm. we're, a base, we're a base metals explorer that's building up a, 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 an asset is really how I would phrase what Star Peak actually is. So. Yeah, fantastic. I appreciate that, that feedback. Um, I, I wonder, um, are you excited about gold right now, given the, the, everything that's happening in the world? Can you tell us, give so, us a little bit of a perspective? Yeah, so um, gold is, is well, uh, was our focus, I, I will say, and, and this is the reason why it attracted us to this area to begin with. So I, I should mention that. I mean, yeah. we, we, we were looking for a gold discovery and we Got something better, so we got you know sometimes that'd be better be lucky than smart, as I as I tell people, and I'll take lucks over smart any day of the week. <laughs> yep. Um, but I feel gold is really in the second inning right now. I think we have a huge um, opportunity that we haven't seen in 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 my generation. Um, I think we have a, a, a big five to ten year run um, for these metals, and and we'll look at gold specifically. Uh, the amount of printing of paper and money that the U.S. alone has done. Uh, it's it's just staggering, and it's and it's only getting more and more. And you know, we have one trillion passed, now we have another three and a half trillion coming up on a spending bill. Yep. So really, I think the the effect of this inflation um, and the um, really, I don't see there's there's I, I can't see 
how gold cannot have its move that we are all eagerly waiting for. I mean, we called it a year ago and we've had a dismal eight, nine, 10 months of gold. So the indication to me to, to have gold in your portfolio could never have been better. I mean, today, I think the indicators are just are there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we just got to be patient with it. I think we have lost a little bit of thunder to things like Bitcoin and, and some of these cryptos. But I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, gold is, you know, we still have the first gold bar in the world that was produced, you know, a couple hundred years ago. So yep. it hasn't gone anywhere. It's an intrinsic value. It's there. It's there's a um, in my mind, this is it's, it's tangible. Yes. History will repeat itself as well. Gold is not going away. You know, we talk about cycles with commodities. I wonder, um, are we entering, <clears throat> excuse me, any sort of a cycle that you can see with, the, I guess, the other commodities? And what's your opinion? Yeah, we are um, very similar. I mean, I see, you know, the the base metal side. We've already seen a massive, massive increase. Just to actually look at the COVID COVID time with the price of commodities and especially copper. Oh, yeah. And I mean, the, the price of zinc. I mean, it's gone through the roof very, very quickly. Now, the thing I like about it is we consume these base metals. They're actually, they're not stored as a, as, as, as a, as a, as a wealth or yeah. Uh, yeah. a reason to kind of hold your money. This is actually, these, these things are consumed. Now we just have word of, you know, a massive infrastructure bill in the U.S. coming through. And what does that mean? Well, when they build road, you know, roads and bridges and airports and whatever it might be, they're going to be consuming more and more and more of these metals. Yep. Um, you know, building uh, grids for electric vehicles or power stations. I mean, the, 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 these things are going to be just, just eaten up. So I see a major, major move uh, in prices of these base metals. I mean, we haven't even seen it. Sure, we mm-hmm. saw it. You know, zinc went from 2100 to 2900 I think, over the last nine months. But no, these moves are just beginning. I mean, it's, I think I have this expression. I think there's going to be a rip your face off rally on the prices <laughs> of, of, of these uh, of these metals. I really, really do. Yeah, no, I, there's another one that seems to pop up a little bit. All the metals associated with uh, electric batteries, lithium is another one that seems to be moving quite a bit at the moment. Absolutely. I mean, I love the space. I, uh, you know, number of investments in that space as well. And mm-hmm. um, I think it's, uh, you throw that into the mix as well with the, with the base metals. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to um, um, come back to uh, your site uh, for Star Peak. I, I, I'm always, um, given that I've spent many years in surface exploration uh, drilling myself, uh, love the experience. I, I always think about, um, I guess, the topography, the access, the support, the infrastructure. Tell us a little bit about that side of your business. So that's a good question because really, you know, you could have one of the greatest discoveries in the world on anything and if it's not in the right location there's not a lot you can do with it and um when i mean that i mean it's just how economic is it what sort of infrastructure is in place you know where is their power what's nearby is there a railway line going and and one of the the attractions for us going into star peak and where we acquired our land was it's in this abitibi greenstone belt which is a very prolific area for major mining companies production and it's it's a big 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 game um i find that um you know location is probably you know once you make your discovery i mean what do you have to do you have to prove up the asset so it's big enough and then you mm-hmm. have to uh do your feasibility studies you have to show that the economics make sense and we are operating in probably one of the cheapest places to possibly operate anywhere around the world um the taxation is absolutely in our favor. Uh, yep. We have um, 
a very pro-mining area. So all the trades are there, all your drillers are there, all your labs. You have, um, uh, you know, you have your, uh, you know, we have First Nations, uh, you know, Aboriginal type things, but they're all pro-mining. So really there's no, uh, there's no liability there. And it's, you couldn't be asking for anything more. I mean, it's, um, I'm, I'm feeling storm, right now. As it were. Pardon me? The perfect storm, as it were. It, it, it really is. I mean, this is the place where you want to find it. And, mm. you know, I'm drilling right now. I think I'm all in currently today per meter. So this is how you kind of would judge it. I'm drilling at about 185 to 190 Canadian dollars uh, a meter all in. And that's including all my lab work, assays, and, and, and everything. Overheads, the lot. And, you know, my, my geos sleep in a, in a house. There's no camps. I mean, that's, there's uh, towns of, you know, you, you, you go get a hot meal, use your cell yeah, phone. It's wonderful. I mean, it, it's, it really, really is a geologist dream. Perfect yeah. scenario. You know? <laughs> I can tell. I know. I mean, it, places and we've we, had to drill before is not the same as that. Let me assure you. <laughs> yeah, and we I, can, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I wonder got, if I could ask you, um, yeah. you, you talked about, you know, local populations. You've talked about geologists that you work with. First of all, um, what does it look like for, um, you know, the employment of local people? Cause that's often the question that comes up. Yeah. Um, you know, we are seeing a, a surge in activity for exploration companies and, and the difficulty has been, if there was one, would be getting drills. Dr I mean, drills and, and, and drill crews and drill operators have been tricky to get. And that's one area that um, I would say has um, we've managed to um, beat uh, everyone out because yep. what I did uh, early is when I saw what Amex was doing, our neighbors at the time, when I saw the success that they were having, they had a group of, of uh, geos and it was an exploration group that does everything for them. And their name is Laurentia Exploration. And it's kind of like a one service shop from yep. geology to drilling and, and just everything. And they, and they plan it and map it and do everything for you. And so I contacted them very early before, you know, there was a huge rush in this, in this, in this area and everybody was out there raising money and trying to get people to, to do their drill, drill projects. Well, I secured them. And I, so I basically got the same geos and same team on our property as what they had. Oh, wow. And this is important because they already had an understanding now of, yeah, of course. geology in this area. They already could see what rocks were being done, mm -hmm. what sort of, um, sorry, you can probably see my fraction, my wife walking in the background. Ah. <laughs> um, and um, so we had all the um, expertise right from day one. They already and, know the lay of the land, literally. And I want to add, and this is thing, this is, this is why I'm, this is what I'm probably most proud of is the fact that the more results and bigger discovery and like the, as this thing is progressing, I'm becoming better and better and better and bigger and bigger and bigger. The type of people that I have been able to attract and join my team and the expertise and the pedigree of people is just, it's getting, it's getting big, it's getting better. And I'll throw an example out after, you know, my second or third, uh, you know, big hole I put out to the market, the chairman and founder of Amex, Dr. Jacques Trottier, who was the guy that started Amex. Yep. Uh, I, and I know, and I knew well beforehand, but he contacted me and he says, look, I really like your VMS and your discovery here. I'm a, I think he studied VMS throughout his years. Yep. You know, he's probably think he's in his sixties. And he just says, look, I want to join your team. And so I made him a spot oh, wow. as chief technical advisor. So anytime you can put something like that on it, um, for me, it's just, it's, it's, 
instant credibility. It just that's crazy, isn't it? It was yeah, that's amazing. We were blessed to have that. Now, I I I know you talked a little bit about having a flat, uh, a bit of a flat structure where there's not many overheads in terms of infrastructure and all that type of thing. I'd love to, for the sake of the listeners uh, and viewers, in fact, to learn a little bit about your management team. Who's involved aside from the people you've just mentioned and and your good self? Yeah, so. you know, we're, we're exploration in nature now. So really I don't need a, in terms of a, you know, I don't need to pay mm-hmm. top dollar to get a big CEO in there to kind of, I mean, why, why would I, I mean, I, I, would you? I'm the chairman CEO and I wouldn't, one thing that I do is I'm a market driven CEO. So I want to make sure that there's enough gas in the tank to get the drills constantly going. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that, I mean, we started off with a 5,000 meter program. We went to 20, we're up to 40. Now we're, we just announced it's up to 60,000. And I will add, we're not going to stop. I mean, we're no. just going to keep drilling this thing. I think Amex, they're up to 300,000 meters. And, you know, but they started a year and a half before us. So I want to catch up to that. I mean, that's yep. really my goal. Uh, I've got a good accountant that's up in Canada, Cyrus Driver, who sits on the board of multiple mining companies. Um, I've got, um, who else do I have in there? I have a, a, a French-Canadian, Ron Bourgeois, who's good with just corporate governance and, and, uh, and by the way, these guys aren't paid. These guys are all just sitting there and the way they're going to make their money is through stock options and moving yep. the share price higher. Uh, and then the advisory side, I've got um, Dr. Jacques Trotsky, who I just mentioned from Amex, mm-hmm. and a really other big uh, VMS guy, uh, Yves Rougerie, who's, uh, who's from the area in Quebec. Um, it's funny because all these guys speak French and so they can actually uh, translate all the stuff coming from the drillers because I am very minimal <laughs> French and uh, I, uh, I rely on these guys just to kind of make sure what I'm reading is correct. So <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. I've absolutely loved this call and uh, I'd love to ask if I could, Jonathan, um, you know, we, can, we can't necessarily project out too far, but you know you're continuing drilling. You're going to uh, do more mapping of the, the entire site, presumably. Um, so what's happening for you in, the, I guess, the next six to 12 months? Yeah, so really what I tell my investors is um, we are fully funded uh, for 6,000 meters and we'll just keep, my plan is just to keep going from there on in. I think I've, I've, uh, we have enough money in our tank to, for us, to, these drills, three, three drill rigs to go for the next year. Um, yeah. I don't need any funding. So what I like as, a, as, as an investor is I like to see companies like this because the only way for my market cap to have a reason to grow is is how is to make it bigger and the only reason uh, you can make it bigger is by more drilling so if i'm currently and i'm just drilling and drilling and drilling that's the reason for your market cap to grow and i made reference earlier when you get into these vms deposits it's you can very quickly you know increase the size of these um quite easily and of course. You know, we, we got these models and structures that we're we're hitting into these zones and and you just keep building and building and building. And we actually think that um, this past producing Norma Tall Mine, which we've modeled and, you know, we're, we're hitting, you know, we're drilling four or 500 meters you know, away from it. Well, we're hitting zones that they hit. And, and you know, it might be skewed a little bit in terms of thing, whatever it might be, but the grades are, are consistent. The depths are consistent. And we haven't scratched the surface of this. We've only gone down seven, 800 meters. Well, they produce down to 2.2 kilometers, you know, over yeah, 60 years. What's in store? What's in store? So my problem, if I was to have one, is it's prioritizing where to drill because I have so many targets looking at us in the face. 
I'm relying on these geos to basically say, okay, what are the best probability? As I mentioned earlier, the probabilities are what we're, what we're going after. Yeah. And, um, you know, the techniques that we're using compared to what they used, you know, in the 1900s are way ahead. I mean, the, well advanced. We're, yeah. we're able, to send, we're able yep. to send probes down, see conductivity zones, and then target our drills within a meter of where we want them to be. They didn't have any of that. No, it's crazy. So, uh, so I actually think the potential is, is it's far greater. And um, really the only way, only way we're going to find out that is just to keep these drills. Keep, and that's, keep that's those uh, tips. Yeah. Stop. Make sure you don't break those tips. Keep them in the ground Absolutely. and uh, get some core samples out and do what you do best. Now, with all that being said, I'm very, very excited uh, for your future, for the uh, Star Peak Mining Group's future. And I'd love to, if you wouldn't mind, please, Jonathan, if you could share the ticker that's relevant for sure. our audience. Yeah, so we, uh, we're Toronto Stock Exchange, uh, TSX Venture Exchange. I think the symbol Sam Tom Edward is, uh, is the Canadian symbol. Uh, we also have a U.S. symbol. We trade uh, in the U.S. under the symbol Sam Tom Robert Peter Frank. So it's, um, we're active. We're trading. Uh, you know, my website's uh, starpeakminingltd.com. Now, star has two R's, so it's starpeakminingltd.com. Um and we have a lot of press that goes out. So one of the luxuries I have with drilling so much is that there's constant press releases in terms of results and drilling results. I noticed that, yep. And we put them out and out. Uh, always look to those. There's a phone number at the bottom, and we answer every phone call we get. We love phone calls. Call me up. The number is at the bottom of all those press releases, and you will always get a voice when you try to reach out for starting. Thank you so very much, Jonathan, everybody who's on the call today. Um, be excited, get excited. I'm excited. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I really need to get uh, more involved, more active with this. If you're an investor, potential investor, want to learn more, I will be making sure that the link back to Star Peak are available below this call, no matter where you find it. You will definitely find the links back to Jonathan Star Peak Mining Group. Uh, and with all that being said, Jonathan, thank you so very much for spending some time with me on the My Future Business Show today. Thank you. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for very, thanks very much for having me. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, share us with your friends, and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.